Okay, my name is Mel and my husband Nick um, are hosting the seminar stream this week. But before I give an overview of what we've covered so far, I just wanted to see how many of you have been next door in the prayer zone. A few of you. I just wanted to really recommend that, that you get some time next door. There's a team in there that, that can pray with you and pray for you, and it, it's just a great space. So if you haven't been in there, or even if you have, it's a really good uh, place to go. Um, so, so far this week, um, Nick opened up, and we, we've been going through the, the story of Abraham. Um, and he spoke about life hurting. It does hurt, but actually God is with us, and God has promises for us. Um, on the second day, Katie Lingard spoke on bullying and mistreatment. And yesterday, Phil Wilfew spoke on rejection and abandonment. Um, today, we've got Owen Hilton, who's speaking. Um, and he's going to be talking, um, answering the question, who's in control of my life? Um, so it's just looking at independence. Um, we have known Owen and his wife, Pauline, and their three daughters, for about 15 years, we used to go to the same church in Catford many years ago. But Owen now leads a church in Brixton, and he's been there for about six years. And Owen has a real passion for the local church and biscuits. <laughs> so we will continue as we have done this week. So we'll start with a video, um, and then Owen will come and share, and we'll have a ministry time also. My understanding about being independent would be being able to manage your problems by yourself. Well, you'd share them with other people, but most of the stuff you would do for yourself and you wouldn't let anybody else get in the way. You're doing it for yourself and not for anybody else. My understanding of being independent is to do your own thing and to like build yourself up, make yourself a better person and... I don't know, kind of work on yourself to be better and independent is kind of like doing that on your own, going your own way, on your own road. I think it means that people can stand alone, that they can help other people that might find it difficult to stand alone. And so they can help people and help themselves without any help, anyone else having to be there. They know how to care for themselves. They know how to conduct themselves without someone else telling them something and they're mindful of what they do and that basically that they're their own person and that no one really can tell them who they are not and who they are. Sometimes I feel that they just want me to be what they want me to be, not who I want to be. And so I just think to myself, why am I trying to make other people happy when I can just make myself happy? Um, I find it really annoying because it's my life and my decisions and it makes me feel myself because I'm making my own decisions that will reflect on my future. But in some ways, I take advice from others and try and make myself better and do the things that I do in a better way. Not everyone knows what everyone else is going through. And to say, to tell someone how to get through something that you might not know about, it's really like it doesn't hit the person good. It makes them feel like you're trying to judge them in a certain way. It just worries me that they want me to be what they want me to be, not who I want to be.
Okay. Um, I think independence is one of those uh, subjects that actually you don't talk a lot about, um, but you do struggle a lot with. And uh, you get that in life. You get that with your, uh, with your parents. I've got uh, two teenage girls and one girl who's just above teenagers. I know what it is to talk around the struggle for independence. And I think we live in a world where things have changed in many ways. And the video really reflects that. The video reflects a very modern way of thinking about independence, where it's about me finding my way, my road, how I want life to be for me. And independence is the thing that's behind the issue of control. So who's in control of my life? Well, I am. And as long as I'm in control of my life, even if I make mistakes, that's probably the best thing I can do. It's the best way that I can go. And so there is this struggle for independence. And I want to make just up front three observations on it before we look at the story of Abraham and how that speaks into it. Because if you simply look at the story of Abraham, you might not immediately Uh, see where independence comes in, how it sort of relates, and I'll explain that. But let me just make three observations up front. The first is independence, there's there's a reality to it. There's a reality to it. Uh, Can you just put your hand up if you're, uh, if we've got any babies in the room? Have we got any babies? No, no babies? Or have we got any toddlers? Anyone who can just about walk? There's one, one guy at the back who's a toddler. Okay, now... It would be a bit bizarre, wouldn't it, if at the end of this seminar, your parents came in and they strapped reins on you and they walked you out. Yeah? Or if your mum came in and even though you're taller than her, she picked you up and tried to carry you out. Or she got the pram and she said, okay, come and sit in the pram and we're going to go on the stroller and we're going to go out. It would be a bit bizarre if that happened uh, because there is a natural reality to independence. You grow up, yeah? You learn to walk, you learn to talk, you learn to act on your own, you learn to dress yourself, hopefully, you learn to look after yourself. And that kind of thing is very, very natural. It's very natural that that happens. There is a natural reality to independence. Uh, I remember some of the best moments of my life, uh, I suppose when I began to become independent, I remember when I first, when I passed my driving test, I was 18 years old, uh, I passed my driving test and the first thing I did, uh, I lived in Catford, was I took out my mum's Ford Escort, you've probably never heard of that car but it, is, it was a great car in its day and I drove from Catford to Sidcup where my now wife uh, lived, we weren't even dating then, I just went to see her and uh, a journey that should have taken me 20 minutes took me an hour. Yeah, because I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know how to drive. But it was my first sign of independence. Uh, the other one that I remember was when I, I got my first job. And it was working in McDonald's in Bromley. And, and okay, it wasn't the best job in the world. I used to have to go out onto the streets of Bromley and pick up the litter. But I had a job and I was earning money. And so that was a sign for me of independence. There is definitely a reality of independence. But there is also a culture of independence in our world today, which isn't necessarily always helpful. We celebrate and we elevate independence. We celebrate and elevate independence. It's a right. I have a right to do things my way. I have a right to live my life my way. I have a right to make my own mistakes. No one should tell me 
what to do. And when you heard those young people on the video, that's exactly the kind of thing that they were saying. It's annoying when people tell me what to do. Yeah? At 15, you can think that you're already 25. I know everything there is that needs to be known. Why are you telling me what to do? And that is often the way uh, people are, that people perceive anyone who wants to speak into their independence as trying to uh, shape them and turn them into something that they don't want to be. I don't want to be what you want me to be, so don't tell me what to do. That's how we think. We might never say that. We might never use those words. Some of us actually would never speak like that, but that is what we do. And sometimes it creates a problem, you know, um, it, one, of the, one of the saddest facts is that the rise of things like anorexia is because people want to take control back of their lives. They don't feel they have any other control. I can at least control what goes into my body. I can control that. I can't seem to control anything else, but I can control that. I can control what goes into me. So we have this culture of independence. And even when it comes to God... And many of us here might be Christians. Even when it comes to God, our our deal with God is, I'm very happy for you to be involved, uh, but you're not taken over. I'm not sure I can just quite trust you to take over. I want you to be involved. I I, want to hear from you. I want to be involved in the things that you're involved in, but I just can't give it all over. Because what about all the things I want to do? What, what if you don't want to do the things that I want to do? What, what if you have a different plan for my life than I want to have? So at that point, God, we just need to negotiate the best way through because I'm not going to give you control. And that is often the way we live. There's a culture of uh, independence, and, and that's a, a right I have. We elevate it. We celebrate it. But there's a danger in that. There is a danger in that kind of culture because independence is not always right and it's not always healthy yeah it's not like in life where you grow up and as you grow up you become more practically independent from your parents Uh, as I described earlier if you're 15 and your mum came in to take you out in a buggy everyone would say something's not right there that that's natural you grow up but we don't all grow up mentally spiritually emotionally in the same way we don't always achieve things by doing them ourselves even when people say that in reality no one ever achieves things themselves i i was watching a video oh, i'm getting all caught up in the in this i was watching a video the other day of uh usain bolt the the 100 meter uh, world record holder and uh he, you know he's won everything there is to win He's the fastest man there's ever been. Um, And, you know, everyone loves him. Um, And yet if you hear him talk, he'll say this. I won't even run a race if my coach doesn't say so. He's the best elite athlete in the world, but he won't even run a race unless his coach says you're ready. Go. He won't do it. Because he's understood this thing that life is never achieved fully. You never achieve your dreams by being independent. You always, always need help. We often don't think that, but it's true. We always need help if we want to achieve uh, what we set out to achieve in our lives. So today as we look at, uh, continue this theme of life hurts, 
And we're going to look at a story around Abraham, and it's a story around independence. You may not even think this story is about independence. Hopefully by the end you'll understand why the link is there. And I want to talk about it because I think this is such a big thing. Independence, and sometimes the, the decisions we make in relation to independence, is why life can hurt so much. Sometimes life hurts because I just make wrong decisions, because I just don't listen, because I don't take advice, because I don't, I don't, I don't watch the way someone's gone and decide, oh, I'm not going to go that way, because I think it's better to make my own mistakes. Sometimes I think that. I think it's just better I make my own mistakes. No one should tell me what to do. And even if I make mistakes, then that's okay. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. But there is a story in the life of Abraham, which I think illustrates this really well. And I'm going to read part of the story. I'm not going to read the whole story because it's a number of chapters, but I would encourage you to read the end of the story because I'm not going to tell you the end of the story. But the end of the story is why I call it the tragic story of Lot. The story of Lot is a tragic one. It's not a great one. It's tragic. It's sad. And it's there in the Bible, I think, for us to help to help us understand, oh, okay, there are certain things I must understand about how life works in order to be able to fulfill the call that God has on my life. So let me just read a few verses from Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, verse 5, says this. Now Lot who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and he set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Father, would you speak to us this morning? I pray for every heart and every life in this place. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to make a journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've heard a bit about the story of Abraham. Uh, God calls Abraham. You read it in Genesis 12. And he, he, he says, he calls him out of nowhere. 
And that in itself is a wonderful thing because it's sheer grace. Abraham didn't deserve to be called. He wasn't looking to be called. But out of nowhere, God says, uh, come with me. I want you to come and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. And, and through you, I'm going to bless the nations of the world. That's what he says to Abraham. It was almost like he was starting again. He was starting the world again with this man. And so God calls Abraham and the Bible simply says, Abraham went. Yeah, he doesn't argue. He, he didn't know of God, but he doesn't argue. He goes, and then it says, and he took Lot, his nephew, with him. So Lot goes with Abraham uh, to the land that God's going to show them. They don't know where that land is, but, but Lot, if you like, he's going along for the ride. And I want to try and illustrate this. Nick, why don't you just stand up? So Nick, I want you to stand over here, and you're going to be God. Okay, so Nick's God. And God, I want you to choose Abraham. I want you just to choose someone. Okay, Abraham, you're taller than God. That's good. Um, Why don't you stand next to God? And I want you to choose someone who's like your nephew or your niece. You can choose someone who's going to stand with you. Okay. Okay, so Katie's going to be uh, a lot. Well done. Well done. Okay, so God calls Abraham out of nothing and he says, look, come, come, I'm going to show you a land and I'm going to bless you. And remember, he makes three promises. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. And through you, I'm going to bless the world. So Lot, who he says, why don't you come with me? Uh, Lot, if you like, comes under that second promise. I'm going to make you a blessing. So, so you're going to be blessed because you're with Abraham. Yeah? God says that you come with me and, Lot, and Abraham says to Lot, you come with me. And suddenly Lot is being called into something that he didn't know what was going on. All he knows, God, whoever God is, has spoken to Abraham and said he's going to bless him. And Abraham has asked me to go with him. Now that sounds a good thing. That sounds like a really good deal. So off they go. Abraham and Lot, they go off to the land and... Uh, Uh, you know Lot's going along but the thing about Lot is he didn't necessarily realize what was really going on because sometimes we are blessed and and you in your life you may well be blessed you may well be provided for you may well be protected and you don't even realize it you don't realize where it's coming from you don't realize that oh actually my, my parents uh, you know, they're Christian. I, I know they pray for me and, and things seem to work out. I don't know why, but they just seem to. Sometimes we're blessed and we don't even know why or how that happens. But every time Abraham gets blessed, because Lot's with him, he gets blessed. That's the story. But there comes a point where Abraham and Lot, they go down to Egypt and they spend a little time in Egypt. That wasn't necessarily a good move, but, but they do it. And when they come back out of Egypt, they're both now very wealthy, the Bible says. It says that they had loads of flocks and herds. And it, it even says, doesn't it, they have so many flocks and herds, it appears that the land isn't big enough for them. So Abraham and Lot have a bit of a disagreement. Just have a minor, I know you don't know, just have a minor disagreement. Yeah, okay. So they have a bit of a disagreement. And that what they decide is Abraham, I suppose being the father figure, says, look, I don't want to fall out with you. Yeah, I don't want to fall out with you, my nephew. We're brothers, we're family. I don't want to fall out with you. 
If you want to go, you can go. He releases him. You can go. And Lot goes, wow, I can go. I'm going to go and I'm going to do my thing. And what it says is Lot looks out and he sees some wonderful land. And no one's denying that the land he sees isn't wonderful. He sees some lovely land. He goes, I'm going to go there. So Lot, I want you just to come over here. So Lot has made this decision to separate from Abraham. Yeah, it wasn't Abraham. Abraham didn't send him away. He, he released him, if you like. He said, you can go if you want to go. Uh, but Lot had a choice at that point. He had a choice and he decided he was going to go. What he doesn't realize is he's made the worst decision of his life. Or she. They've made the worst decision of their lives. Because, do you know what? When Lot was standing next to Abraham, he was standing very close to God. Very close to God. When Lot decides to move away from Abraham, he's now very far away from God. And then the very next thing, which really proves the point, is this. God says to Abraham, who must be grieving at the loss of his nephew, he says to Abraham, Look around you everywhere, north, south, east, west, even the place that even the place that Lot has gone, look around you. It's all yours, Abraham. It's all yours. So the blessing that God gives to Abraham was everywhere that he could see, including the place that Lot had gone. So Lot's thinking, I've gone to this great place. It looks really good over there. I'm going over there. Had he stayed with Abraham, he'd have had it all. But instead, he chooses to go his own way. Okay, guys, you can sit down. Thank you very much. Why don't we give them a round of applause? So he makes a massive mistake. He doesn't know he's made a mistake. Have you ever been there? You make a mistake, and you don't know at the point you've made it that you've made a mistake. Yeah? In hindsight, you look back, you go, actually, I made a mistake there. Lot makes a mistake. He leaves Abraham. It was a mistake. One of the reasons it was a mistake is this. He moves away from God. But another reason was he moves to land which looks really lovely, but it's right close to a place called Sodom. And Sodom was beginning to, God was beginning to hear about Sodom, and it wasn't great stuff. Sodom was an evil and wicked place, and God was going to judge it. But Lot didn't know that. Lot went over there because it looked nice. It's just another example that you can't judge everything by what you see. You can't judge things by the external. You can't think to yourself, this looks a nice place. He looks a nice guy. She looks a nice girl. You you can't simply judge things by what you see. There has to be more to it than that. So Lot moves away. He takes control of his own life, but he's made a big mistake. You see, sometimes when you live, if you like, under the covering of others, as Lot did with Abraham, sometimes that brings conflict. That brings tension. And if you live with your parents, you can say to yourself, yeah, that's true. I live with my parents. And at times that brings conflict. That brings tension. Sometimes that's, the, that's just the way life Works. Sometimes you can be tempted to walk away from the very people who are providing the blessing in your life. Sometimes you can be tempted to do that. That's what 
Lot did. So God reiterates his promise uh, to Abraham. It's really interesting because God makes promises. And one of the promises he makes in the, uh, in the Ten Commandments is this. He says, honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you in the land. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments that comes with a promise. Honor your father and mother so that it goes well with you in the land. So, so in other words, if you want to receive blessing, honor your parents. Now, I say that fully aware that for some of you, you might be thinking, do you know what? In my situation, that's quite difficult. It's, it's a difficult relationship. Things aren't easy at home. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel I parent my parents and it can be difficult. Um, but the Bible, with the Bible, it's a promise. If you honor them, then it will go well with you. So the question that I want to ask is this. Because if you just read the Bible text, it's not an automatic thing. The question I want to ask is this. Did Lot have to leave did he have to leave Abraham released him he decided to go but did he have an option did he have a choice did he have an alternative and I accept that what I'm going to walk into is, is is a bit speculative because in the Bible he does leave he does leave but if you if you read through the story you'll go oh, I wonder why he left I wonder why he left. But he does leave in the Bible. That's the story. Abraham releases him. He then left. Now, I would say that he didn't have to leave. And there are other examples where people were released by, if you like, the person who covered them. And they didn't leave. And let me just give you a couple of examples and what happened to them. How many of you know the story of Ruth? Just put your hand up if you know the story of Ruth in the Bible. Okay, a few of you. Okay, so Ruth uh, was a Moabite. She wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't part of the people of God. Uh, She lived in a completely different place. And she married uh, an Israelite who who moved to the land that she lived in. She married him, and uh, she married him, and there was another woman who married his brother, and his mum was there, and and, uh, they were married. All the men died. The three men died. And you had Ruth, her sister-in-law, and her mother-in-law. They were the only ones left. The mother-in-law decided, there's no point in me staying in this foreign land uh, because I've got nothing. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my people in Israel. And she says to Ruth and and the sister-in-law, look, uh, ladies, I've got nothing for you. I've got nothing for you. You may as well well go back to your parents because I've got nothing for you. And ultimately, the sister-in-law goes, okay, I'm going to go. But Ruth goes, I'm not going. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. And Naomi was saying to her, no, you need to go back. I've got nothing to offer you. And Ruth says, where you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God. And she commits herself to go with Naomi. She didn't have to do that, but she does. She commits herself after Ruth had told her, after Naomi told her to go. That story ends up with Ruth becoming the grandmother of King David because she goes back to Israel and she gets married. And another example would be the disciples. There's a point in the story of the disciples where Jesus says to them, are you going to go as well? Are you off? Everyone else is off. Are you going to go? 
And Peter answers on behalf of all of them, where would we go? We've got nowhere else to go. You have the words of eternal life. And, and what happens to them? Those disciples, yeah, they off, many of them die martyred deaths, but they also become the pillars of the church. Yeah, we are indebted to them because of the gospel that we have received. They were all given the opportunity to leave. They were all released. But in those cases, they recognized something about God that made them stay that Lot didn't recognize. Lot didn't see it. Instead, Lot lifted his eyes and he saw a well. He saw the plains of Sodom and he moved towards the sinful city. I've got three really simple lessons to draw from this story. Some of us have found that we have had to fight for independence. It's a battle. And sometimes that fight is an external. I'm not saying that all of us are physically fighting, but internally you know whether you're fighting stuff. You know whether you're wound up, whether you're tense, whether you're anxious, and you're trying to take back control. The first lesson is this. For the Christian, the struggle for independence finishes at the cross. If you're a Christian, the struggle for independence finishes at the cross. The modern cultural way of thinking about independence is not Christian. It's not Christian to think to yourself, I need to be who I want to be, no one tell me what to do. That is not Christian. That is not the story of the Bible. You see, the story of the Bible, which is uh, primarily exhibited to us in Jesus, is this. He only did what he saw his father doing. He surrendered himself. He submitted himself. Do you know what? It would take faith for Jesus to submit himself to the will of the Father. And it takes faith for you to submit yourself to the will of the Father. That's a massive deal. But actually, if you want to fulfill the purposes of God in your life, that is the deal. That you submit yourself to the will of the Father. That you stay as close to Jesus as you can because when you stay close to Jesus, you stay close to God. When you walk away from Jesus, you walk away from God. And when you walk away from God, the promises of God just become a little bit more distant for you. The protection of God, it becomes a little bit more distant for you when you come away and you begin to make your own decisions. If you're a Christian, the struggle for independence finishes at the cross. If you're not a Christian and you're thinking about Christianity, you're, you're here at New Day, you're considering all these things, the struggle for independence, it starts there. You come to the cross and the first thing you have to do to become a Christian is you repent. And repentance is not just about saying I'm sorry, it's about saying it's over. My life, my way is over. And it may be that you're even in here and you've been having that struggle. You've been thinking about what you're, what's going on. And it's not simply about, I'm going to make a decision to ask Jesus into my heart. It's not simply about that. It's saying, it's over. It's no longer me. 
it's him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give life over to him. That's the first lesson. Just two other very quick lessons. The importance and I suppose the humility of swallowing pride and admitting mistakes. So for some of us in this room, if not all of us, because it's, it's normal, it's, it's human, some of us are independent. We've already made decisions. We've already gone our own way. We're already doing the thing that we, we know some people don't want us to do, the people who are over us, whether it's our parents, our teachers, our older brothers and sisters, our youth leaders. They're telling us, no, don't go that way, and we've decided we're going to go that way. Some of us are like that, and we've already done that. And tragically for Lot, he never turned around. Even though there were opportunities for him, he never turned around. And if you read through to the end of the story, you will see why it was a tragic end. But you have an opportunity to turn that around. Don't let pride blind you. Don't let pride blind you so that you're not prepared to go, do you know what? I've made some mistakes. They've always been telling me I shouldn't do that and I I deliberately do it because I want to do it. I don't want to be controlled. Sometimes you just need to go, do you know what? I'm going to give it back. I'm going to say sorry. I'm going to go back. And then the third lesson Again, it's really simple, but really hard. Some of us, we just need to give up control and learn to trust God. Control is a massive issue. With the world that's swirling all around us, with different things that are going on in our lives, different pressures that we have, we all want to control something. So we control things by, we control what we eat, we control what we do with our bodies. Sometimes even when, we, even when young people self-harm, it's, it's a control issue. I will control what I do with my body. I will do things. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to make me into what they want me to be. But this is hard, and I know this is hard because just personally, and I've been a Christian for many years, even to this day, I would say that trusting God is, is, is one of the most challenging things that I do, really to trust God. Not, oh, you know, I do trust God, but really to trust God. To allow him to, to direct the steps of my life. It's a challenge, but that's what faith's about. And there are people to help you. And, and I can say from my own experience that trusting God has been the best thing I've ever done. And from, from the age of, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, when I used to pray regularly, learning to trust God, I look back and I go, God is faithful. If you trust him, he is faithful. Things won't work out in the way that you imagine, but they will work out. Because God works all things for good for those who love him. Doesn't mean all things are great, but he does work everything for good. Everything he does, he works for good. So some of these issues that I've talked about, they're not on the outside. Because some of you, you're just nice people. You're nice people. But on the inside, you know independence is a struggle for me. I'm fighting that. I'm battling against that. And I've never fully given God control 
of everything. I've never trusted him with everything. Well, this morning is an opportunity for you to do that. It's an opportunity for you to swallow pride, admit mistakes, turn around. It's an opportunity for you to go, this struggle that's in me is going to end at the cross and I'm going to trust God for it. I'm going to trust God about my future. I don't know where I'm going to be next year. I don't know what's going to go on in my family. I don't know what situations are going to happen. All I know is that I can't, I can't seem to rely on anything. You can rely on God. You can trust God. And you know what? It's not just, oh, you can rely on God. God brings people into your life to help you at any given point. You see, Lot was blessed because he stood next to Abraham. There is nowhere in the Bible where God speaks to Lot directly. There's even a point where Lot gets saved and he gets saved because Abraham prays for him. Not because he was particularly good or wise, because he was unwise. But because Abraham prayed for him, Lot gets saved. And for some of us here, you know people have prayed for you. You know people, whether it's your parents or youth leaders or just people you know, they've prayed for you. And you know, if you're really honest with yourself, that sometimes that saved you from situations. Today's a day where you can just acknowledge that. Okay, I'm going to hand back to Nick. And I'm sure there's going to be opportunity for you to pray, for people to pray for you. Things like that. Can I? I think there are different things that we can... I think we should applaud Owen. Yeah. I think there are some different things that we can respond. And I, I, I think one of the first things that came to my mind is actually maybe some of us need to actually ask God to, to forgive us for where we have gone our own way, where we've not actually been obedient, where we've, we've kind of walked away from him and we've distanced ourselves from him because we, we want to be independent. And I think that's something that we should probably start with considering ourselves. Um, just, just where we are now, I just want you to just kind of consider that for a moment. Where have, where have you personally wrestled with God for your own independence and doing things your own way? There might be certain aspects or areas in your life where you're holding on to things. You're holding on to things. And God has been speaking to you and saying, let it go. Let it go. And just where you are, I'd want you to just, just think that through for a moment before him. And we want to ask God just to forgive us for that. To forgive us for that. Why don't we just stand together? Should just stay in that place just for a moment. We're going to just linger there for a little bit because it's really, really important that we get that stuff right before God first. What have you held on to?
and just ask God just where you are. Say, Father, would you forgive me? Father, would you forgive me for holding on to that thing? I'm sorry. We're reminded even just yesterday how compassionate God is. is We can come and say, Daddy, I am sorry for that thing I've been holding on to. And I choose right now to let it go. To turn away from it, to repent from it. Bible says if we confess our sins that God is faithful and just to to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the Bible says your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. Even the psalmist there recognizes that actually when he has gone his own way he suffered much when he's gone his own way he suffered much but then he says oh lord restore my life again as promised i believe there is some here god wants to restore lives again as promised God wants to restore again. To fix that which is broken. And to make new again. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to get some guys to get alongside you and, and, and pray with you. And we're going to invite some people to, to share any particular words they feel God might be stirring on their heart to, to give to you guys. Just keep your eyes closed, keep focused. Father, we thank you that we can come. Thank you that we can come running to you as daddy. Knowing that you will receive us. Knowing that you will never turn us away. We do acknowledge there are times when we we go our own way. We struggle for independence. We struggle to do things on our terms, in, in our way. And we also know that that breaks your heart. Because your promises and your blessing to us are dependent on our closeness to you. What you have for us is best.
So right now, would you start, Lord, by your spirit to just restore to us that which is broken? Restore, Lord God. I just want to invite any any guys who want to bring something now just to share, just to come forward. Because I believe God, has, as, as he has done this week so far, he wants to speak to us. Guys, come forward. Yeah, I just want to reiterate that God is a healer and God is a, is a restorer. Even though God was hanging on the cross, he still said to John and his mum, he's like, come together. Like, like, become, you are now family. This is your son and this is your mother. Like, that is such a powerful thing. And, you know, that's just who God is. He brings people together. God is like the reconciler. And I think that's in so many people's lives. Like we have so many, like me personally, I had like relationships and stuff and it was just not going right. But Jesus is someone, he's the rock. That's what he's described as. And the rock is, it never fails. And we stand on him and he is like our peace in the storm. Even when things are battering against us, he is there as a rock. Like, like he's our strength in our times of need. And I really feel like, um, yeah, he's just saying like, you know, come, come home, you know, come and stand on me and just like trust in me, I guess. It's just that whole thing of like, see what I can do for you and like make that step, step onto me and then like trust me and see what I can do for you. And I think it takes a lot of courage, but I think he's just like waiting there with open arms, waiting for you just to take that leap of faith and, it does take a lot of courage, but I do encourage you to just try that and maybe surrender a bit of stuff to him that you haven't done before. I feel like there are some people in this room who've experienced some things that are very painful. Maybe it was not too long ago, maybe it was years and years ago, but what often happens when we have a very painful experience is that we say, that was so horrible. I've got to make sure that never happens again. And the way that we do that is we try and control everything. You know, Owen so greatly talked about control. We kind of, the way that we respond is we say, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that never happens again. And the problem with that is that we end up living under fear. We're so afraid of that happening again. That it's the fear inside us that is causing us to have that spirit, that attitude of control. And I feel like Jesus would say to some people today, if that's you, I know what it is to go through that pain. In fact, the reason I came was so that I could know what it is to feel your pain. But the truth is that, as Nick said, God works all things together for our good. doesn't mean everything's good, but he works all things together for our good. I feel like Jesus would say to you right now, my perfect love casts out fear. My love is perfect. My love for you is absolutely perfect. doesn't mean what happened is okay. But I want to break that spirit of fear over you right now. 
If that's you, do you just want to engage with God right now? I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray for those in this room right now who are living in such fear that something's happened in their life, that there's this fear hanging over them, that they feel like they have to protect themselves, they have to take control of everything in their life to make sure that they never again experience that pain. Lord, I pray that you would break that fear over them. That you would lift off that fear. That they would know that you are the perfect protector. That you are their shield. That no matter what happens in life, that you are there with them. Jesus, I thank you that your perfect love casts out fear. Fear enslaves us. And Jesus came to bring freedom to the captives. So Jesus, I pray that you would bring your freedom right now in this place. You would bring freedom from fear. Help those who are feeling that to know that you are in control and you're a good father. Just receive that now, if that's you. Receive that from God. He wants you to know that he's a perfectly good father. That you don't need to live in fear anymore. He's holding you. He's never going to let you go. I really feel like there's some people in this room that um, there's a particular area of your life that you're really holding on to and it's um, a relationship, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship and you know, I think from this week particularly, something's been stirring in your heart that you know it's not a healthy relationship, whether it's a non-Christian or it's something unhealthy about that relationship and you know in your heart that it's not right and maybe your youth leaders or people come alongside you and start trying to tell you this is not a good decision, this is not a healthy relationship and you're holding on to it and I feel like you've actually said to people, no, it's my life, I get to choose, it's my life, I want to make this choice and I feel like actually as I'm saying this, you're expecting me to now say that God is angry with you and that you need to repent and you need to obey but what God wants to say to you today is that he is gentle and that he is kind and that he loves you and he doesn't want you to make this decision because you must obey him and you must do what he says but it's because he loves you, because he wants the best for you He's not forcing you to make this decision to leave that relationship or to change the way you're with that person because he's controlling or because he um, just wants to kill your fun. He's, he's wanting you to do that because he loves you and he desires for you to have a perfect relationship, a beautiful, healthy relationship, and he sees that this relationship is not good for you. And if that's you, sir, I just want to encourage you that God is gentle. And when you let go, when you start to open up your clenched hand around this issue, God is not going to snatch it away from you or be angry with you. He's going to come and he's going to gently help you to deal with that and he's going to encourage you and support you. He loves you so much. Just encourage you to respond to that now if that's you. If you want a red cat to come and pray with you. I don't know, maybe raise your hand or just go and find someone or just get you or youth leader or someone to pray with you or talk to someone afterwards. I just really feel like God's speaking specifically to you today.
to follow on from that, specifically same-sex relationships. Maybe you feel you've got same-sex attraction and that is something you absolutely could never relinquish. You could never follow God wholeheartedly because you have same-sex attraction. And God would say to you, I am gentle and kind and patient and I want you to begin a journey with me and I want you to live your life before me being real with me about your feelings and your same-sex attraction and I will lead you and guide you gently. There is a right way. There is a right way in this. So bring it to me. You can have fullness of life in me. Bring your same-sex attraction to me. I want to give you life to the full and I'm going to journey with you on this. I have a picture of um, a path in front of you um, and you're walking along this path and it's absolutely fine and you're just getting along in life really absolutely fine and then suddenly on this path a, a huge hole has just opened up in front of you and you've just dropped down into this hole. And I really believe that that's for um, one or two people here where you've been going along fine in life and then suddenly something has tragically happened, something really difficult has happened to you, just completely out of the blue. It wasn't expected, it was just completely out of the blue. And you've just, it feels like you've just dropped into a big hole. And I just saw God just reaching down into this hole and he just wants to lift you up. And so if that's you, we really want to pray with you today because God is saying to you, I'm right here for you. I don't want you to stay in that pit. I don't want you to stay in that hole. It's not of your making. It's just been something that's happened in your life. And he just wants to pull you out and brush you down and set your feet back on the solid path to walk with him again. So we definitely want to pray with you today. I feel every time that I've come to this, to one of these seminars this week, that God has reminded me of Isaiah 61, which says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. And I thought it was a real encouragement um, for some of us who are in here who have mourned and who have felt captive, um, who are actually becoming oats of righteousness from dealing with things um, in this seminar. But I also feel like some of us haven't responded, who have the potential to be oats of righteousness. But it's easier to walk away like Lot did. It's easier to just not face those things, just to leave, leave this room like nothing's happened, to keep it buried because... Yeah, it's just easier, but I'd really encourage you not to miss out, like Lot did, not to miss out on the blessing that God has given us with all these people of all this time. And yeah, really just encourage you to respond to these words. Um, 
Oh, this is I'm speaking speaking for myself and maybe some other people here. I think um, when God talking about trust, when God asks you to do something, you may not want to do it because it makes you stick out like a sore thumb, and you may feel isolated because you don't want to be the odd one out. And I just wanted to encourage you guys. Maybe there's someone here that you need to be reminded that great is He that's in you, that's in the world. When you do something, you never know what know what God will do for you, and you never know what the outcome would be. There may be a soul dependent on you just speaking the gospel for someone. I just want to encourage you guys. Encourage you guys. Don't give in to fear. When you're scared to do something, do it. Just dive in and keep swimming. And the Holy Spirit will give you the power to keep you going. Um, I feel like there's someone here who... Um, when Owen was speaking, something kept cropping into your mind um, about something that you had control over that you didn't want to give to God. Um, and the reason you don't want to give it to God is because you feel like you've given it to him before and he's let you down. And now you're saying that actually that's not, I can't give it to God because um, I don't want to be let down again. Um, and I just, yeah, I'd love to pray with you. Or one of the Red Caps would love to pray with you if that's you. Um, and I think this is linked. Uh, but God reminded me of the story um, that, so when Peter denied Jesus, he denied him three times, and then Jesus died, came back to life, um, and then he met Peter afterwards, and Peter, uh, Jesus asked Peter a question, the same question three times, which was, who am I? And every time, Peter answered and got it right, and I feel like God wants to um, restore people the same way he restored Peter, and use the very thing that they did against God, um, and restore them through that, and kind of yeah, because that, that's just what God loves to do. He loves um, being gracious in our failings. And I really feel like they, those two things are linked, that the thing that you trusted God with, he wants to restore um, that situation for you. Um, I really just feel that someone here has either recently or a couple of years ago, a few years ago, have just lost someone um, really close to them in their family and I feel like it's their dad or at least like a father figure um, So, and I feel like God is really just saying um, you're no different from anyone else who's got a dad on earth because you have your dad in heaven and he's the best dad you can ever have and I really just say if that is someone here just come for prayer um, Yeah, just come and get one of us red caps for prayer Um, I felt God saying that there's a few people here and Owen's talk really hit home for you that um, you really wanted independence and you thought it would be great and then you got it and things have got very dark very quickly and I feel like you feel that your whole world is just darkness now and you don't know how to get out and particularly that you feel a lot of people warned you about this and warned you to get out and because of that you feel embarrassed and you don't want to ask for help because you feel ashamed about the decisions you've made and you feel like there's no freedom and I really felt God saying that you can be free and just to encourage you that we're here to pray for you and chat through that, that actually um, there is a way out of the darkness and God doesn't want you to be there. I wasn't sure when to share this and I also want to get Josh up. I know I'm just mindful of time, but I'm, I'm really just asking you, be patient because God's really speaking to us and I don't want us to miss this opportunity. And in a while we are going to give you an opportunity to respond to the words that have been brought. And we're going to ask you um, to, to overcome the fear and take courage like the young man just, just encouraged us. And I'm going to give you an invitation 
to, to actually step forward for red caps to then get right alongside you and pray with you in response to some of these words. But but what, what Dan just brought actually, I've I beginning this week I was praying and I had this picture of a maze. And in the middle of the maze it was really dark. And the walls were really high. And I really felt God saying that there are going to be some here this week that God wants to lead out of this maze. A maze of darkness where actually as you hit each wall, it's quite, you're quite fearful. You're not sure which direction to go in. And there was something about feeling confused. Confusion and fear. And I thought God would say that actually Jesus just wants to take you by the hand as you trust him. He wants to take you by the hand and lead you out of the darkness. So the very thing that's causing you to feel confused and fearful, he wants to take you by the hand as you trust him and lead you out of the darkness into wonderful light, into freedom. Into freedom. So I'm going to get Josh to share something now and then we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward for prayer. Um, when I walked in, I uh, saw a cloud over the whole of this room and uh, the father said to me that he wanted to release love like rain on this place and um, I felt like the, it's clear there's been lots of prophetic words and there's a lot of people here that are wanting to respond to this uh, and the father is looking to release love over everyone because as Nick and everybody's been saying, perfect love casts out fear and the reason some people... Uh, struggle with independence is because they don't know that they're loved and uh, I feel this is for everybody in this room ministry team included that uh, the love of the father is going to flow so um, Nick's going to invite us to respond but I, I, I just see love being deposited and I'd love us to respond to that and to uh, uh, open our hearts um, so if, if, if I know we've been sharing loads of stuff but if you could maybe as a sign of wanting to respond to God, maybe hold out your hands and maybe close your eyes, kind of remove all distractions. If you want to stand or kneel, do whatever you want to do because the, the presence of the Father's here. He's coming to, to reveal his, his great love to us. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Nick. So Father, I thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that you have adopted us as your children. And I thank you, Father, that uh, your love casts out all fear. And I pray right now for dependence, a dependence on you to rise in this room. I pray, Father, that your love would be deposited like rain, that your, your spirit would fall, that you would come and you would woo hearts, that you would take off barriers right now. We just release your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you love to meet it with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, fill us up. Just command fear to go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that this is an incredibly safe place right now. Thank you that this is a safe place to confess stuff, to get stuff off our chest, for you to come and deal with things. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're a good dad. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If I'd just like to release ministry teams to just start praying for people. Guys, just keep receiving. I want, I'm going to encourage you to be really open and really honest with some stuff. There's more things that are, I can feel the nerves on people's hearts. So just keep, uh, keep receiving from God. Ministry team, just start praying for people. If, if you want to respond to any of the prophetic words, just stick your hand up until someone comes to you. 
I want to invite those of you that aren't responding right now to um, just start loving on God. Just start thanking Him for His love because He is good. He's really, really good. Yeah, just as Josh was saying, for those who aren't receiving ministry, would you just, would you mind just, just helping by just actually where you are, just praying? Just, just pray for those who are in this room. Just close your eyes and just pray and continue to invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in here. Just raise your hands, guys. Just, um, I feel like there's a powerful act right now, which is, um, my story is that when I was 13, some of, some of your ages, I found out my dad wasn't my dad, and um, I, didn't, I wasn't real about that pain of hearing that. I wasn't real about the fact that, so my dad's not my dad, and I buried it all. And what I did was rather than deal with the pain, I detached myself from my family, my, my, my dad, I stopped having a relationship with him. And I lived in darkness. I lived in the shadow of that decision for 10 years. Until a guy, a friend of mine, a good friend just said, but do you love him? And I realized there was something in my dad, even if he wasn't my dad, that I loved. And he said, well, you need to go and tell him that. And so I had to go home. It's a long journey, and I had to go into a room, and I just thought, if it's an opportunity, I'm going to tell my dad I love him. This is the dad I thought didn't love me, didn't want anything to do with me at that point. And I had to say the words to him, I love you, Dad. I knew that's all I had to say to him. And not, I know this is not always the reaction of earthly fathers, but my dad turned around with me out 10 years of distance and said, I love you too, son. And in that moment, it was like we were reconciled. And for some of you, you've lived independent. You have lived away from the Father. And so I think for you, some of you, just like it was really hard for me in that place, just tell him now, in your heart, I love you. I love you, Dad. Father God, I love you. And then let him come and respond to you. Because I'm telling you, his response is he loves you we've just heard that again and again and he wants to pour out his love on you that's what we've just heard in this room but right now ready your heart by just that position father I love you and then let him love on you right now it's that shorter distance it's not a big journey it's a short thing father just come now You've wanted this moment with your child. You've wanted this with your son. You've wanted this with your daughter for so long. Let them know your love now.